0: Hello and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes and I'm your host. And if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, if this is the first time that you're tuning in, the Embrace Your Destiny podcast is all about sharing the stories of women who have gone through a transformational experience in their life. And it might have seemed like the worst thing in the world when it was happening, but when reflecting on it, it happened for a reason and it helped them to Become stronger in mind, body, and soul. It sort of put them on a course correction so that they could really live the life that they were meant to live. And today we're talking with Elise Sink. And Elise, back in 2017, August 12th to be exact, Elise's mother woke up fully paralyzed by an undiagnosed illness. And having just completed her master's program, Elise soon found herself returning to her childhood home to take care of her newly disabled mother. A survivor of domestic violence in her childhood, caring for her mother and their family home forced Elise to face the trauma of her past and the reality of her present. Six months later, scared but radically determined, Elise started her small business and committed herself to a future of self-forgiveness, curiosity, and healing. Elise is now the founder of Real Talk, LLC, an international English tutoring agency, Committed to creating better language partners and partnerships. And um, we'll show you where you can find Elise in the show notes so that you can connect with her in the future. So welcome, Elise, and thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Elise, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your journey and how it led to the path that you're on today?
1: Sure. So... Um wow, hearing you say all of that makes it sound <laughs> makes it sound a lot better. Um, so uh, I will say this has been the most recent experience that I've had. so all of this happened just a little over a year ago with my mother specifically. Um, so just a quick overview that I completed my master's in two thousand and seventeen. And uh, that happened in May, and my mother got sick in August. And this is just something that I, uh, I guess, felt like a huge transformative moment in my life because I felt that I was finally getting my feet under me, that I was um, growing professionally. And I had done a lot of wandering around in my early 20s, trying to um, trying to really survive and scrabble and um, support myself financially and uh so this felt like a huge um i guess a huge blow that doesn't sound exactly right i you know i think there are definitely a lot of people who go through worse things but it was just something unexpected and it completely changed the course that i saw myself going on when um i had to become a caregiver to my mother uh in my in my 20s <laughs> so um i went home and uh, it was a really strange juxtaposition because I had gone from being at a conference with a lot of people who were my peers and my colleagues and talking about these large ideas and uh, thinking about uh, where my career was headed to uh, sleeping on uh, uh on my childhood bedf- bedroom floor with you know stink bugs crawling into my hair and waking up every 2 or 3 hours to help my mother go to the restroom so it was just a really shocking um transformative moment where i had to think about where i was and where i actually wanted to be
0: so yeah and i think that um it's not something that we're ever prepared for right to become right. caregivers for our parents because I mean, if we're thinking about it logically, we know that they're not going to live forever and there might become a time where we need to step in and take care of them. But I don't think most of us are actually mentally and emotionally prepared for that time.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I definitely was not. And my mother, like... Uh, make no mistake, I love my mother and I, you know, do not see her as a burden in any way and I never want to communicate that. Uh, And that was definitely one of the huge uh, transformations that happened was having really honest conversations with my mother that I don't think would have been facilitated, uh, at least not this early, uh, I guess, after the events. (laughs) uh about you know what happened in my childhood and you know how what her experience of it was and just this kind of event really opened up pathways to healing that I don't I think were very much closed at the time and you know the unexpected unexpectedness of it for both of us was the shared experience because um, I certainly didn't expect to come and live in my you know in my childhood home and to go through this experience with her and she definitely did not expect to have that experience and um, you know I definitely much harder on her than me uh, <laughs> just physically speaking especially emotionally mentally and physically um, but I I I think when, when it's happening uh, it's very much hard to see the positive and good in it. Uh, so I don't want to be, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. If that makes sense.
0: <laughs> right. We're not looking at it through total rose colored right. glasses, <laughs> but at the same time it was an, or is an amazing opportunity for healing, right? Because, because of the illness and because you're her caregiver right now, you have that time where there's no distractions to have those honest conversations, which I'm sure wasn't or isn't easy, but definitely necessary right
1: absolutely um, I think I think that as we're As we're growing up, we don't, you know, our relationship with our parents is very different. And I, you know, the relationship that I have and had with my mother was always in a caregiving role um, because my father was, um, was abusive towards both of us. So I, I think it was easy for me to step into this caregiver role as an adult, but there was also another element to it where we had to address that pain, and I had to grow as a person so that um, you know we could have those kinds of conversations. Because otherwise, it was going to it was going to break both of us. It was going to break our relationship. And so, I think this type of situation forced both of us to become better people and to recognize the hurts that we had experienced in the past. And it's definitely ongoing. This is a very recent event, so uh, I'm definitely learning a lot every day. But um, being her caregiver actually made me a better person, I feel like. Um, Made our relationship stronger. uh, Helped really, uh, you know, like at three in the morning, we're having these conversations that I couldn't imagine even broaching a year ago. So (laughs) it was just, it was definitely a transformative Uh, experience and is an ongoing experience so
0: and what kinds of tools if any have you used to help you cope Mm -hmm. because I mean you're running a business as well as taking (laughs) care of your mom so I can't imagine you know yeah how it must feel because those are two very big balls to be juggling
1: yeah. So I was very lucky to actually, the, the day before I traveled down in, to my hometown, which I can't stress how small it is. It is very small. I had to take uh, a bus to another bus to a car to be able to get to my hometown. Um, and uh, luckily before I went on that trip, I was at a conference and There was uh, a keynote who was talking professionally about building your support network, building um, a powerhouse three. And at the time, I knew that I wanted to grow my little business, but I didn't know how to do it. And then I was facing the possibility of not even having access to internet, much less uh, time to do what I needed to do. And I need I felt that really I needed to build a network to support me, so thankfully, this uh, keynote gave me the idea to build a support network, and that seems very basic on its face, but it was something that I actually hadn't thought about doing building um a network of friends with intention to help me get through this experience so I will say that with intention i you know took three people that i really trusted that i knew that i could be honest with and safe with and asked them specifically to be my support network uh, throughout this process and then i took a lot of time in between you know in between moments of caregiving but times of moments of silence to think about what i wanted to do like here, I, here are the things that I am struggling with and here are the things I feel hopeful about and where do I want to be? And so I really took, I took this moment of, of intense uh, darkness and tried to make it into clarity. Uh, so that's, that was the first thing that I, that I tried, that, that, that I just worked towards, <laughs> if that makes any sense
0: it does and i think that it's something that a lot of us disregard or take for granted the importance of having a strong support system mm-hmm. um i know that for myself because i grew up an only child i i feel like i was so used to being independent that the whole idea of leaning on others or asking for help was something that i was not comfortable with for a really long time mm-hmm. and um it took going through losing my dad and, you know, all the stuff that happened afterwards to realize that you can't, you know, navigate through the biggest things in life by yourself, that you do need a support system, even if it's somebody to um, pass you the tissue when you're bawling your eyes out, but you know, to have somebody who (laughs) is going to be there and support you and empathize with you and, um, you know, allow you to have those crazy moments and feel safe and, um, to be there to encourage you when you feel like giving up, like those people, that support system is, is priceless when you find that right group of people in your life for sure.
1: Absolutely. And doing it with intention. I think that's something that was a, an element that I was definitely missing where I had created friendships and kept relationships because I felt I either that I was obligated to or that it was easy to do so. You know, certain relationships were just easier to keep rather than um, structure and uh, maintain in a healthy way. Um, so specifically thinking about uh, like the relationship with my father that I was still trying to maintain up to that point, and um, it was definitely the just not having the energy, the emotional energy to maintain toxic relationships, and realizing that the people you surround yourself with shape how you feel as a person and shape your experience in the world, and so definitely this experience forced me emotionally to uh, look at my relationships with people and prioritize them and to say, okay, this person is a positive force in my life. And I want to cultivate that relationship. And I want to ask them for help because asking is, is really vulnerable and hard to do for me at least. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, like, Uh, I think, especially if you're independent, uh, I can imagine as an only child, you have a lot of independence. Um, It can be hard to remember that you're not alone and that you can ask for help in very difficult uh, moments.
0: Totally. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that for me, the the challenge was, as you talk about your dad, is Mm -hmm. that sometimes it is family members Mm -hmm. that you do need to keep your distance from, cut off completely, whatever. And um, it's that whole, that uh, discomfort that comes with making those types of decisions because you know that there are going to be, there are going to be people who judge you for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's your father, or that's your mom, or that's your brother, <laughs> fill in the blank. And how could you not want to have that person in your life? And I think that it's, it's a hard thing to do, um but it's often a necessary thing to do and it's just about as you say having intention behind it and being okay with the decision and not allowing you know the opinions of others to make you feel guilty or bad about the decisions yeah. you've made.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that person is yourself, right? Like I I know at least for me it was like well this is my father and you know, Even if he wasn't particularly kind all of the time, that doesn't mean that he wasn't kind some of the time. And uh, so there was definitely a conversation that I had to have with myself and my therapist where it was like, yeah, it's actually okay not to have this person in your life. It's okay to say, no, thank you. I don't. I don't want to maintain this relationship anymore because it isn't positive for me or for the people around me. Um, and it sounds easy to say, but, uh, like you said, it's incredibly difficult to implement. Um, and so I'm, I'm still definitely learning, um, learning through that process. It's, I don't want to come off as sounding like I've cracked the problem. right? (laughs) That the issue
0: is over with. I've solved it. We're good. We're moving on to the next thing.
1: Done. All good. Solid. (laughs) Right. Yep. It's a a definitely everyday process. Um, For example, my birthday was in July and this was the first year that my father didn't contact me for my birthday um, in some way, shape or form, either through a mystery box or an email or a phone call. So um, it was I was surprised by how much that impacted me, I guess, Um, even though we don't have a very deep connection uh, that still uh, affected me in a way that I didn't anticipate, and so being able to turn to my support network and share that experience um and remember that I don't have to shoulder that experience
0: alone uh
1: that was also new and uh very eye opening be the right word,
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what I appreciate you saying that it isn't, um, a done deal that you haven't solved the issue that it is a work in progress, because I think that that's so important to remember that, you know, these things that we're going through, they are, it's a journey (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's not like there's a final destination. And I think I said this in another interview that I remember being told by a business coach once that, you know, you get to, you know, you, you make progress, you, you know, you feel like you're moving on and getting, you know, to the next level. But she said, you know, new level, different devil. So it's not like you're ever (laughs) done with things, right? So you'll get through something and you'll feel like you've got your good handle on it. Mm -hmm. And then something will happen that reminds you that the work isn't done yet. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm actually find it humorous now when that happens to me. (laughs) that It's like, oh yeah, I got too cocky. And I really thought that I was done with this, but clearly... I have more to, to, to do. And I feel like a lot of the issues that we have, especially because a lot of them started when we were kids, it's like an onion, right? So you're peeling away these layers and you think that you're finally at the end, that there's another layer.
1: (laughs) Never ending onion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a
0: perpetual onion. And, um, But yeah, I think that it's so important to remember that, yeah, it's not, it's not something that you can just Mm -hmm. be done with and that there are going to be unexpected triggers, like your birthday and not hearing from him where you think you're going to be okay with it. And when it happens, you're like, well, hang on a second. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why am I so bothered by this? And you realize that, yeah, there's still more work to be done.
1: So much more, so much more work to be done. Absolutely. Um, So, and, uh, yeah, I I guess I don't have any sage wisdom, but that, that advice that you just shared, like new level, different devil, uh, definitely, I definitely can see that respect that because, uh, I don't know if, uh, you have experienced it in this way, but I feel like I go through, uh, really sudden growth spurts. So it's, you know, I'm learning a lot very quickly. Um, and, uh, definitely it feels like, you know, once I, I've reached a moment of stasis, a moment where I can breathe, uh, that's when the next surprise is, is literally around the corner. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I yeah. would say that that has been my experience as well. So Elise, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned so far? Uh,
1: the biggest lesson that I Can definitely point to is that um, when things are feeling their most, like when you are feeling the most buried, when you feel like you're drowning, that is actually when you have the most clarity on your own life. Uh, Barring, of course, um, you know, depression can definitely cloud your thinking and prevent you from being able to see things uh, perfectly. But I think if you Uh, can take that moment when everything feels absolutely awful and look at what is happening with an objective eye and then look at what you are experiencing and what you are hopeful for and actually uh, looking forward to and seeing what that trend is. You can have some very honest conversations with yourself. You can kick off the bottom and Get back to the surface. The surface, essentially. Um, so, using moments of of drowning to seek clarity is my biggest lesson, and that's what pushed me to actually make the business happen because prior to that I had played with the idea and I had said to myself well like this will be so much work and I I don't think I can do it I I don't have I'm not a business major I don't have the chops to do this like uh it would be fun sure but I I can't do this and um you know, when, when this incident happened with my mother, when I realized how quickly things can change, I had that moment of clarity where I realized if you want to do something, you need to do it today because honestly, you may not have the opportunity tomorrow. So, uh, that sounds a little
0: dark. <laughs> oh, but it is the truth though, isn't it? Like it's, it is the, the ultimate truth is that nothing is guaranteed and you never know when something's going to happen. So you might as well, (laughs) you know, I don't don't want to be dark about it, but (laughs) Oh, no, I, um, one of the things I've said in workshops, well, one of the things I suggest my clients do is, um, write their eulogy, Yeah. (laughs) you know, talk about how you want to be remembered. And, you know, I mean, how many of us want to really think about our mortality, But when you think about, you know, how you want to be remembered, what kind of legacy you want to leave behind, and then you take some time to think about how you're living your life today, then are you contributing to that legacy? And if not, what are you waiting for? Right? Because again, like you said, you never know what can happen or when it's going to happen. So you might as well get to work now. And so maybe I'm just as dark as you are, Elise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want to come off as uh, as being very uh, depressive or dark, but you're right. It's just um, it being able to leverage that uh, recognition of of how short time can be and how unpredictable life can be, it helps give you the clarity to uh, to do things that otherwise um, are too scary to do. I think, and uh, I I don't again. Uh, addendum haven't haven't figured it out. Uh, still terrified on a regular basis when doing uh, when doing the work, but also very excited and um, also able to get up with an understanding that this is a hundred percent what I want to be doing, and already seeing the benefit of that in my life, even if parts of it are really scary. Um, yeah, that's 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 the truth.
0: Yeah, and I would think um I know from my own personal experience I would say that when you do that stuff when you're doing work that really lights your fire mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> that it is the most fulfilling work that you've probably ever done because I know that that's how I feel about it.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And it also this is another surprising element it, to me was that it gave me the energy to do other things. So uh, you know, doing doing something that I feel passionate about, that I am excited by, gives me the energy to take on other projects, to do other things that I am also passionate and excited about. Uh, it, it makes me a better partner to my my boyfriend. It makes me a better friend. It makes me a better daughter. Um, it's you know you know forced me to go and seek help. Uh, you know through both uh, emotional uh, therapy, mental therapy, and be more physically active because I need the energy to do the things that I'm excited about. Um, and that's this beautiful cycle where I'm excited about what I'm doing during the day and that leads me to uh, give, have more energy to do the other things, which also gives me more energy, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And I think that, um, it's that ripple effect, right? Ripple. And, um, and that's why I talk, when I talk to clients or when I give talks, I, I talk about the importance of taking care of yourself and making sure your needs are, are being met. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, especially as women, we forget and we oh. take care of everybody else and we forget about our own needs. But just as you said, when you, when you're taking care of yourself and you're making sure that you're happy, that you're fulfilled. Okay. then you are a better daughter. You are a better partner because your, cu- your cup is full. And so you're able to give without feeling drained. And, um, and I think that that's something that a lot of us struggle with, like giving ourselves permission to, to take time mm-hmm. out for ourselves, to do the things that we need to do to, yeah, to take oh. care of ourselves. And, oh, um, but we forget about that. And, uh, <laughs> but when you make time for that, it's not a selfish thing to do because again, like you said, it's going to, it's going to have that ripple effect. It's going to benefit everybody else in your life because when you're good, then you're good with everybody else and with whatever you have to deal with in life, because you're in a better headspace. If that yes. makes any sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, you're a hundred percent right that being, um, being raised a, a certain way, uh, especially if you are a woman, you are raised to forefront the needs of other people in front of yours. And I think that's especially true if you are a caregiver to someone in your family um, or a caregiver in general, probably, uh, that you are so busy trying to make sure that somebody else is comfortable. It's very easy to forget about your own needs. And uh, so that was definitely another radical lesson through this experience was that uh, in order to maintain my sanity and be a good caregiver, uh, I need to still be pursuing the things that I'm excited about. So if that means I'm running a business up in my childhood bedroom on the floor, uh, then I'm going to do that thing. Uh, and I'm going to do it as well as I can, and it's not going to be perfect, but it gives me the energy to keep going and do the things that need to happen and that I want to happen. Um, yeah, so that that is definitely another radical lesson <laughs> from this experience.
0: Elise, what would what advice would you give to somebody going through something similar in their own life? So somebody who has has found themselves having to be a caregiver. To a parent mm. or another family member.
1: Yeah i I mean I can only share what has helped me, and uh, of course, and I think I count myself as very lucky in that uh, I was not the only person who ended up caregiving for my mother. Um, but my advice would be to remember that this is temporary, and that you get to dictate. Uh, how much of yourself you pour into this experience, and that your your experience, your life, your goals, your dreams—they still matter, uh, and that you don't have to sacrifice the entirety of yourself into that experience, and that um, when things feel really overwhelming and really uh, scary, that you can. Not, you can, you, you don't have to be alone. You can have somebody beside you. And if that person is your friend, if that person is your therapist, uh, it is your, you know, your mother, father, uncle, just recognize that you don't have to do that thing alone. And this is true in all aspects of life, I imagine, but, uh, specifically in caregiving, uh, it's impossible to shoulder such an experience by yourself. And um, I definitely could not have done it Um, and was just very lucky that I happened to uh, stumble into (laughs) such an awesome group of uh, um, people who helped me through that experience and are still helping me through. Uh, And so that's, that's multi, multi multi-layered advice, I guess. (laughs)
0: And good advice all the same. I, you know, and I think that the whole thing about asking for help, I think the big thing to remember is that it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually, I think, a sign of strength to be able to admit to yourself that you cannot do it on your own.
1: Right. Yeah. I, and I, I think this is very common with people who are independent, people who are single children or just have always um, had this feeling that they can take care of themselves and others uh, I sometimes forget that I can lean on other people. So (laughs) for example, like I, I had to, um, interact with my father, uh, uh, during my brother's graduation this year. And, you know, I had this conversation with my therapist about, you know, how am I going to handle this interaction and maintain healthy boundaries. And, um, something my therapist had to routinely remind me of was that my partner was going to be there standing next to me and I could use him as a resource. So I repeatedly kept going to this experience, like I'm going to do this alone. I have to do this alone. Like how am I going to do this alone? And my therapist had to keep reminding me, actually,
0: (laughs) you're not (laughs) alone. (laughs) You're not alone.
1: There's literally someone standing right next to you. So um, I think it's reminding yourself that sometimes there is literally someone standing right next to you and you can lean on that person. Yeah.
0: And all you have to do is ask. Yeah. You just have to ask.
1: Right, or establish establish some form of communication. Like if you know if you notice that I am not calling you or texting you as regularly as I used to, I may need a little extra help or love. Yeah. So recognizing those patterns too—that's ta- that takes a little bit more intention, but um,
0: an awareness, an
1: awareness. But it it's important to do because uh, if you can build that support network, it makes your life and their life also much easier
0: (laughs) no guessing we know for sure no guessing no
1: mind reading yeah
0: because most of us our esp is not on point so we need some help with that stuff
1: i I haven't learned how to do that (laughs) i have no advice on that
0: (laughs) elise thank you so much for sharing your journey and the lessons any final words
1: um not really, besides just uh, keep going and uh, you know don't don't be afraid to reach out and talk to somebody uh, even if it feels very vulnerable and upsetting because i I completely understand that feeling and uh, usually it's just ourselves telling us that we're not worthy of having that support. and uh, we may not uh, say it in such a way, but uh, we are, we are worthy of, uh, having a support network of people around us who love us and of uh, reaching towards our own, uh, desires and dreams. So that would be it.
0: Well, thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for your time and, um, the wisdom that you've shared today. It was awesome. And for those of you listening, you can learn more about Elise and where to find her on social media and her website in the show notes. And, um, yeah. So that's it for today. Thank you so much again for listening. And Elise, again, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Sandra. And we will see you next week.